Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Chasing the Frame Podcast. I am John DeMarco, and I am here today with the man himself, Brian D'Antoni, a fellow Paisan himself, as I am. Today we'll be also talking with our hands a lot, so you won't be seeing that, but as you know, which you now know, when you have an Italian in the room, they speak with their hands, but we have two Italians in the room or more, it's just hand craziness. So hey Brian, how you doing today? What's up John, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. So welcome to Chasing the Frame, the podcast. Um, Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. So in today's podcast, what we do is I have interviews with my friends and people I know in filmmaking and all that stuff, and we just talk about your life. We talk about what made you get to the point where you are now today. So let's rewind the re- let's rewind the reel and start from the beginning. So you're from the East Coast, right? I am from Staten Island, New York. So, um, and John, you have squeaky chairs. I'm sorry, but so what um, was your first like? interest in film production tv all that stuff i remember sitting with my dad and my family back then i'm 46 years Mm -hmm. old so we had like one tv in the house so the families watched it together and it was a cowboys and indian movie and i was like this is what i want to do i was like seven years old eight years old and i was like exactly what i want to do i want to make movies and ever since then that's what I've been planning on doing. I've been. I went to film school. Uh, I won the New York Television Film Festival. I got into TV more than I got into film. Yeah. But we can go on about that later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was it. I was just inspired by storytelling, mm-hmm. and I was a good storyteller. I lied a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like? Uh, did you grow up like when you grew, grew up? Like were you making films? Were you doing things with your friends? Like telling stories that way, or did you like? Yeah, it was, it's a lot different than it is today. When yeah. I was growing up, uh, we we learned on the the boards. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the VCR, the camera that we had when we were growing up. I see, I'm so old, but yeah. uh, we actually had to carry the VCR around with us. I remember seeing pictures of that actually. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and my and it was you know it was a lot of money back yeah. then, for uh, and then some guys were making it on eight eight millimeter film. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was tough to get films made. I was I, I think I was in the perfect part where film was big. Uh, when I first got my first PA job, I was color correcting. I got an opportunity to work for a production company where they let me color correct on yeah. commercials. So was that during college, by the way, or was that after? That was that was after college. Okay, and I learned the whole process from film, and then digital. Yeah, and I was like right in the middle when my film was dying when my career started. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, I learned that. And um, what was the question again? I was just asking about like um, when you were a child, like if you were doing telling stories that way, if you had a camera, because like when I grew up, when I, like was it, I think eighth grade was my first video camera I got personally, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if you had like a, your first video camera and you were telling stories before you went to college, like yeah, I was. So they started making small cameras when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and me and my buddies, you know, I grew up in New York yeah. uh, during a time where in the nineties where money was just crazy yeah. in New York City. And me and my friends were doing crazy stuff, so I was like, "Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna document all this stuff yeah. and start telling stories." So that's really when I started. My brother helped me. My brother's a computer genius, so I remember when we got a five gig hard drive. It was like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> like, think about that. Yeah. Five gigs. Now they have keychains. They don't even make keychains for five gigs anymore. Yeah, it's like, like five hundred terabytes to get or something. Yeah, like a keychain. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, it, it, it was a struggle. It wasn't like today, growing up, mm-hmm. where I mean, I just got Premiere on my phone. Oh, wow. And it's fast. Yeah. It's really good. So, um, yeah, you know, I didn't have the the tools mm-hmm. to make films. I mean, we had to pay for film. Yeah. So I really didn't make a, a film until I was in college. And what was that like, college? What was like college in, uh, I guess, that time um, when you were growing up, um, that college era of filmmaking or film school? Because um, like, when I was in school, sorry to interrupt, but like it was basically like, you know, we were doing... but. I didn't go to a traditional film school. I did like video art and stuff like that. Right. But like you know, uh, and I know I think I think they're still learning film. From what I heard, is like they're doing film, but at the same time doing digital. So you were probably just doing mostly film. We were doing film. Mm. Yeah. So we uh, we had to do film, and it was it was difficult because I went to a school. Uh, it was between UCLA, Hofstra, and NYU, mm-hmm. and I took Hofstra because they had. Um, a better theater and acting program and UCLA I really wanted to go to but it was too far mm. and NYU I was I'll be honest with you I was not I lived in Manhattan at that time yeah. I left I moved to Manhattan when I was 15 I didn't want to stay in Manhattan so and I wanted to because they had a great acting program I wanted to learn how to be a director at mm-hmm. first so I was like listen if I learn how to be an actor then I'm going to know how to direct yeah. people so that's what I did. I went for acting and theater and, and uh, Hofstra. And honestly, the film program, they learned, they, they, they taught you more theory than mm-hmm. they did actual cameras. Yeah. But I went to, in summer, I went to summer classes in Staten Island, uh, and they had a uh, community college. And the guys that were in the community college were better because they actually worked on films. Oh, wow. The top people, like the NYUs and the... Um, they didn't work on films. They, you know, Hofstra, they didn't work on films. They only taught theory. They only taught what they thought they know. I mean, listen, they're making big money yeah. at the universities, and they probably did films maybe 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. they quit, you know? When, yeah. you, when you have film in your blood, you just don't do it. It's one of the hardest industries, you know, like to get a job, to mm-hmm. maintain a living. 
So you need to really want to do it. So these people sold out, and they're teaching film. And given theory. And given theory. They never even worked on sets. But when I went to community college, these guys were working on sets and teaching as well. There must have been a nice uh, difference when you went to oh, that such a better difference. Like, to actually hold the camera, yeah. to start filming, to start shooting, and start developing your craft. Mm-hmm. It was good. And then I went to the New York Television, a uh, New York Film Fest. Uh, no, New York Film Academy. Oh, oh yeah, F, uh, NYFA, right? Yeah, it was the first year they opened. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, that was cool because they just shoved the camera right in your hands and they said, go film. Yeah, I wish I went there. Um, my parents were more about uh, me getting an actual degree. Right. So, like, they like, oh, well, it's a, a college, but you just get a diploma or whatever yeah. it is, and they want something that was more substantial with an actual, you know, degree and with its name in it, I guess. And I didn't go there, but... I mean, I, lo- I wish I went to it, but it was. It, I remember taking the tour and stuff, and it was really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really awesome. And it was cool because the one thing I learned was uh, this one kid, he was a really good filmmaker, and they they were teaching us a little bit of a theory there and rules. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the kid gets up, and he's like, I'm sick of you teaching me all these rules. You know, I want to be my own filmmaker. And the guy goes, I love that. But he goes, you need to know the rules before you can break the rules. So that that was a big thing for me because, you know, as an artist, you want to mm-hmm. you want to do things, you want to create yeah. things, but if you don't know the rules of how to make a film, then you don't know how to break them. So that was a a good lesson. And then they taught you Murphy's law, whatever could happen will happen. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Tell me about that one. <laughs> so, so you went to college to be a director, but did you end up be I know you as a producer and stuff like that. Right. So how how did that transition did you State you want to, I guess when you left college or got out of college, did you still want to be a director? How did that transition go into that, produ- I guess, is that a longer story into the producer role? No, or? it's it's really not. I mean, uh, I'm still kind of a director, Yeah. but um, you know in this industry it's hard to get things done. And, and yeah. I see that with you. As you came to me, like I know you as a camera guy, mm-hmm. but you're doing a lot producing because you need to get the thing done. You mm-hmm. know, it's like... You got to get jobs. Yeah. So you start creating your own jobs and then you start becoming a producer. And I kind of like that better because I I took the creation from the beginning and hired the director that I wanted, hired the camera guys I wanted, and I was the boss. Yeah. So it really was my creation. And I got to work on different projects as a producer instead of just one project as a director mm-hmm. and being in, being all over the place and... And being very creative, um, I like that. I like doing different projects. And, that, and that's after college, right? You're saying, and that was like after college. So, yeah. so then after college, you start producing and directing and all that stuff. No, I, I, I mean, I took the traditional route of um, my father is a big shot, yeah. and he got me a job with uh, NBC. He he got me an interview with the president of NBC. Yeah. So I, I walk in thinking I know what. I'm going to do, I'm, this is going to be great, my father's a big shot, I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to start working for them. And the first thing the guy said, he he saw me cocky, I was like slouched over and whatever, he's like, so how are you going to make me money? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, get up, get the fuck out of my office, come back when you can tell me how you're going to make me money. And I think my father planned that, and I was like, oh, I'm humiliated. <laughs> so... Then my mother got me a job with uh, McCann Erickson. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's that? Or an interview. McCann Erickson is an advertising agency. Oh. So um, 
again, uh, the guy was like, you know, you're going to have to clean bathrooms and mop floors. I have a production company for you to go work for. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I finally, knew, you know, coming out of film school, thinking I was this big guy that's going to make movies and stuff like that. I took a mop and for four years I PA'd. And, wow. and, but it was, it was great because it was a small company. It was a commercial company. And they, they were union, but they was they had so much work. The union guys, it was a it was a tabletop. Mm-hmm. So basically, it was a studio. Yeah, we shot food, we shot Taco Bell, Burger King, mm-hmm. and then we did some live action. But uh, the guys were like, they really didn't follow the union rules. So they were like, Bry, go fix those lights. Bry, go mm-hmm. do this. And it was it, I learned the shop, I learned lighting, I learned camera. Yeah. And that's when I started learning. Uh, one guy was like, to be a good producer, you have to know everything. Because you can't have a guy quit on you and you not be able to fill in that position. Mm. Or, you you know, when somebody tells you, most people will say, I can't, we can't do this. We can't pull it off. And you just go, all right, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then like, because you're in charge of the money. You have to yeah. keep the thing going. So okay. it, was a, it was a great step for me. And that was, that was PA for four years at a company called... Uh, McK- uh, MacGuffin Films. Are they still around? Yeah, they're they're a big production company. They uh they they master the tabletop. Oh, they're wow. they're on the East Coast, and there's a guy on the West Coast, and they do pretty much all the tabletop you see: Taco mm-hmm. Bell, Burger King, McDonald's. And uh, so from there, I I kind of was like, I started getting into the advertising mind mm-hmm. and realizing that there's a there's too many loop from the client to the production company you have the advertising agency in the middle so I was like I want to do my own yeah and a guy came to me who I always wanted to work for he does hospital documentaries okay and he was getting underwrited from the drug companies the drug companies would push drugs and then he would do a a, a show like a scare tactic kind of to be like if Johnson Johnson or uh, or Merck or any of those drug companies were coming out with a pill mm-hmm. and they were pushing it, they would do they would buy time on online. I mean on uh, cable, mm-hmm. and they would uh, do like a, um, heart attacks or um, high blood pressure. So you would see these things be like, oh, I got to go to the doctor, and the yeah. doctor would prescribe it. So like one of those antidepressant commercials you see on TV, then you're saying like... Right, so they would do a show on antidepression. Okay. And then pretty much you would have all the symptoms. <laughs> and then you'd be like, oh, shit, I got to go to the doctors. And then you go to the doctors, and the doctors are already being told to prescribe these medicines. Mm-hmm. So that's they would prescribe the medicine for you. Yeah. So it was, it was a kind of scare you into going to the doctor, and then everybody makes money. Makes sense. Because I feel like I have half those... Uh... Uh, symptoms anyway when I see all those commercials well that was the problem imagine directing those oh yeah so I'm talking to the doctor and I'm having a panic attack because I'm sitting there like doc doc I think I have this I think so every every show every one I did I I I had AIDS I had I I had this I had things that you know like the rarest diseases I had because leprosy somehow somehow I got that and and I was just I couldn't do it anymore I got sometimes I had to fill in because you know how you have to do b-roll yeah and we didn't have an actor so I would the doctor would be like I was like all right doctor make it look like I have that symptom and then (laughs) he'd be like this he goes all right breathe and then I would breathe and he goes oh that doesn't sound good I was like what doesn't sound good and he's like 
you're telling me to pretend that it's a person that has it. I'm like, dude, do you think I have it? So I had to get out of that. What a weird state of mind I can get you in because yeah. you're like directing it, but at the same time you feel like you're you're having a doctor in front of you who's an actual doctor, not yeah. an actor doctor because I feel like that would at least ease your pain a little bit if it was an yeah. acting doctor. Well, that's the cool thing about doing documentaries and reality TV and, and yeah. what I got into is that you get to interview people yeah, and you get to see how other people live. and how, So it's like, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you get to put them in a, it's like putting mouse into a maze and seeing how they're going to act, yeah. you know? So, and you throw things at them to be like, and then, you know, it's cool. That's why I went from film mm-hmm. to reality TV. I just I found it more interesting. Then what was after the ad agencies, the, oh, the doctor documentaries? So then... I uh, got a job for Universal, and I started I started casting for the Fifth Wheel and Blind Date. It was a dating show. Oh yes, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. But it was, I mean, we all go through a moral part of our lives of being in film and, <laughs> yeah. and re- especially reality TV. And what I, what we would do is is the actors or the the the, re- the what do you call them? Not the actors, but the, the talent. talent. Let's call them talent. Yeah. They're just really just people off the street. But uh, they would come in, and they were just young kids. And I was like, I'd call them up when I'm booking them, and I'm saying like, Hey, come down. You know, don't eat. They're college kids and high school yeah. kids, so, well, college kids. But uh, so I was like, Don't eat. We'll, we'll feed you a drink. You're gonna you're gonna have a great time. Blah blah blah. So I'd put them in the bar for two hours, and <laughs> just let them drink. And I wouldn't let them get too drunk. Because you mm-hmm. can't, but I let them get relaxed. Is this for the casting part? This is for, this the, is for the. This is before the show started. Holy so shit. I would go in there, yeah. and I would be like talking to the guys and talking to the girls, getting to know them, yeah, yeah. getting friendly with them, and then I would take them in the back and I'd be like, "All right, she said this about you," and she never said it. Like she said that your teeth are too big, and this and that, and he'd be like, "So I'm like now I'll ask you questions about her." Yeah. So now he's pissed off. So he'd be like, yeah, that fat bitch, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go to her, and I'd be like, dude, he really likes you. <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, he's so sweet. He's this. And I'd do it the opposite way, too. I'd do it yeah. with a girl or a guy. Whichever way we wanted the story to go, if we wanted you to hook up, we'd make you hook up. If we wanted you to, you know, hate each other, we'd make you hate each other. So we used to plot things, and I was like, that's fun. But then people used to call me up and be like, you're an asshole. You made me look like this on TV. And then you're like, oh, shit. I don't yeah. really, you don't realize you're messing with people's lives. Yet. You didn't have a burner phone? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, I was going in the street, and people were like, because New York is, is, yeah. is a big city, but it's also a small city. Yeah. And you could be, and people are like, oh, you asshole, you made me look like a jerk off on TV. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. They know me. I, I got to get out of this. <laughs> so then what happened after that then? So I always wanted to start my own company. I was sick of mopping floors and yeah. cleaning bathrooms. I, I was second AD for. The company that's uh, I was Aideen and kind of producing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really a producer yet. And I was working uh, for. Um, then I started working for the Fifth Wheel and Blind Date, and then there was a co- uh, a festival coming out, the uh, New York Television Film Festival. But rewind that. I met some guy. He was the he was the um, he was the uh, I don't know. He prepared the food on set, and then he went to ESPN and started working. So he prepared the food on set like he was a craft service. Craft service. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was craft oh. service, and uh, that's unique. And then, yeah, we went to ESPN from craft service. So I, 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 I he said, um, 
I had a good friend at Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. He he was a bat boy. I was a bat boy. At Ma- I used to work at Yankee Stadium, and he used to work at Yankee Stadium. And he became the head of PR and tickets and a whole bunch of entertainment for for the Major League Baseball. So we were like, why don't we do a, a show on Latino baseball players? And ESPN loved it, and we did a series. That was my first producing job. I did a uh, four-part series called Baseball Caribbeano on all the uh, Latin baseball players because they were coming up, and no one knew how, why there was such a great presence of, yeah. of uh, um, Latino baseball. So that was, that was it. And he shared a room with a fishing guy, the guy who headed all fishing. This was when, like, shark fishing was coming out. Yeah. So he's like, do a fishing show. I know nothing about fishing, so I just did a... I took four gangsters, because I'm from Staten Island, and I took four gangsters around the world fishing, and yeah. they loved it. And I won the film festival, New York Television Film Festival, for, uh, with that, and William Morris signed me from that f- festival. Yeah. So the next thing I know, all the networks wanted to see what I had next. I went from, seriously, mopping floors, cleaning bathrooms, doing some castings, and then winning a film festival. We won all categories. I actually beat out... Um, Captain Kirk, William Shatner. Oh wow! Yeah, I was pretty impressed. That's that. pretty impressive. Yeah, that- he had a show that he was doing, a reality show, and my show uh, with a fishing show. I beat, I beat them. What made that fishing show so unique besides the characters? Four? Characters. That's all. That's all you really need when you're doing a reality show. Yeah. Uh, that's all the networks want is characters. The ideas are. A dime a dozen. Yeah. You know, you could change an idea. But if you have strong characters that uh, melt together and cause conflict and create stories every day and that are willing to put themselves out there, which is, that is a very hard thing to find. Mm-hmm. Somebody who would embarrass themselves. Especially for a fishing show, because I feel like if you ever watch Bassmasters or whatever it is, like they're just fishing in, you know, the lake. Right. And, and that, that was that was kind of my downfall at, yeah. at the same time, because... When I did the fishing show, it was more of an edgy fishing show. We had music, we had hip hop, yeah. Uh, we had uh, guys busting each other balls, uh, and the real fishing community didn't like that show mm-hmm. because we were making fun. I, I did it like Family Guy. Okay. It was a. It was a. Uh, we were in Montauk, and we were doing a shock shock tournament, and all the the boats were going out, and there was helicopters and all this stuff, and and. Uh, it felt like Apocalypse Now, and it was like, dun, 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 dun. so I put the music in there, yeah. and then out of nowhere, I just had them shooting Korean guys for no reason, just because it, if you are a movie buff, you would know that yeah. you would know that movie, and you would you would see that, and I started developing it that way. I did uh, you you might be too young for this, but uh, we went to Hawaii, and we did the Brady's go to Hawaii, so we did a whole. Oh yeah, I seen it on uh, Nick at Night a long time ago, <laughs> right. and, and also the uh, very Brady sequels based on that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we did uh, we we so I made it the Brady Bunch theme. So I try to be funny with it. Did it work? It worked for me because yeah. I started getting my style. I started, um, you know, that's one thing as a producer, director, and you in any and anything, you need to have your style. Yeah. Because. When you stay true to your style and you don't try to do too many things, people hire you for that style. Mm-hmm. You know, people like I know to go to this guy if I want this look. I know to go to this guy if I want this look. So mine basically is storytelling, comedian, comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to talk about serious stuff as well. Gotcha. Um, so you didn't change the fishing at all, like the fishing genre at all then? <laughs> no. Nah. Well, now it's it's edgy. Now they got oh. the girls. So they're like twenty years too late. Yeah, I, I I was way before the fishing community was ready to turn into 
funny, fun stuff. Yeah. It was called Off the Hook. You can see it on the internet. It's pretty. It's pretty it. funny. Maybe on Disney Plus actually, because if you have that ESPN Plus. Well, we were on NBC Sports. Oh, you on NBC Sports? Okay, yeah, I'll yeah. check. I'll check out. I'll check out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off the Hook. Okay, and then uh, after Off the Hook, you said you got signed with William Morris, right? I got signed with William Morris. Well, the uh, actually, my father gave me money to shoot the pilot, mm-hmm. which you know that helps a lot. Yeah, uh, and that's how I won the film festival, and then then uh, NBC Sports, which was versus, it was like that time, they uh, picked me up. But uh, William Morris picked me up, and I got signed by uh, Jonathan Rosen uh, for William Morris. How old were you when you got signed then? Probably about twenty. Four, twenty-five. How did that feel being twenty-four? Like, like I feel like that's probably like in the William else. Morris. Yeah, especially like that's a high. I'll be honest with you. Walking into that William Morris office, my first time was was it was a great feeling, especially coming from mopping floors, cleaning yeah. bathrooms to like you think in your mind you're like I just made it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my life is going to be easy yeah. from here now. I got the biggest agency in the world behind me, but they don't give a shit. Well, what was that feeling like then for you? Like you were just saying, like you describe that feeling. Like, like what, what, what did it feel like? Like was it like a movie star, like not movie star, but like you know, movie style? Like when you walk into something, like oh, angels and all that shit, or was it like just whoa? Like it was. You felt like I felt like I made it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like okay, now I got the big boys behind me. They're gonna give me all the secrets. They're okay. gonna tell me what to do, and I'm gonna have an easy access selling these shows. So. Did it happen that way? No. You still have to go out there and sell your shows. Mm-hmm. Was there an opportunity? Yes. Was was being part of an agency that's huge and having that name behind you and how, taking getting those meetings big? Yeah, but there's still a lot of work that yeah. needed to be done. So what then happened after all that? So you got the show, sold it to NBC, right? You said mm-hmm. then you went to William Morrison. Mm-hmm. And then what? Well, William Morris was Sorry, William bef- Morris. William Morris was before I uh, sold the show. Oh. They helped me sell the show, too. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they got that, that done for me. Uh, it was a lot of backstabbing because now you're you're sitting there and you got into the doors and all your friends that you thought were your friends, I can't tell you how many people screwed me at that point of my life. Wow. How many people just used me to get into the door because now I'm I have the I have the key yeah right so everybody's like Brian I got this I got this let's do this let's do this and you're feeling good about yourself you got this big head like you could do everything mm-hmm. and you know if you don't have contracts which everybody should do no matter if it's with your mom you have a fucking contract you're gonna get screwed people are just mean greedy people especially in this industry and I let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the best things my father told me was like, "Are you?" I was blaming everybody. At one point, like, I lost money here. I lost this contract. Yeah. I lost this. People just screwed me. I had one kid. He was. A, I worked with him in the clubs. I, he wanted to be a director. I was like, "Hey, write this show with me mm-hmm. to try to help him out." So we wrote the show, and it was really my idea, my connection, my everything. And he copyrighted the show right after the meeting that we had it. And I went to the meeting, pitched it, sold the show. And then he came back to my partner and he said, I, I already copyrighted the show, so you got it picked up. I actually own it. Wow. Yeah. So I had to give him 
way more than what I wanted to give that person. Holy shit, that that sucks. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's it it, it was bad because you're you're just sitting there concentrating on getting work, doing yeah. things, and you think these paisans that you've been with for the whole time, Italian little <laughs> phrase, but uh, these paisans that you're with and um, they're gonna help you. They're gonna they're gonna we're, we're a team, you know, yeah. and they they didn't. Everybody screwed me. And that's well, I mean, at least the good thing about that too is like you're 24, so you're like. It's all now and not like later on in life, at least. Yeah, so yeah, I learned my lesson. So at least you know, yeah, your lessons mm-hmm. learned. Um, so you got that happened, and then what was the next road down that you went? The next road down was a big jump, and it was a, I don't know if it was a stupid jump, uh, but um, being down on Wall Street area, I uh, had a bunch of buddies in the like I said uh, before earlier, that money was just flying in mm-hmm. Wall Street at that point. And uh, one of my buddies um, wanted to start a television network. I really shouldn't call him a buddy because he screwed me too. But, uh, so he's a jabroni. He's a jabroni. <laughs> yeah. And he um, he screwed me. I mean, uh, so he said he wanted to start a television network. And I said, John, you have a lot of money. It's not me, everyone. Just that. Oh, not, not you. I was like, uh, you have a lot of money, but you don't have that much money. Mm. I mean, people don't realize that Television Network gets sued every day for no reason whatsoever. They just, Did, didn't know that, actually. Oh, my God. They, people thought Gilligan's Island was real. They would call up the network and explain to them how, to get, how they can help Gilligan get off the island. No shit. Yeah, it was cra- it's crazy. But that these people, there's psycho people out there that, like, you put this show out there, you did the news, you did this, and you told me that this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. You know, so it, it, the television networks are getting sued. And this was the time where uh, the Weather Channel just got sold for $2 billion. So I was like, dude, you don't, you don't have that much money. And, I, and so I said, but the internet, this was 2004, the internet is where to go. This is what we should be doing. We should start an online television network. And uh, we did. I didn't even know anything about SEO. Yeah. I knew nothing about how to move it. It was There was a thing called Justin TV. I don't know if yeah, you Yeah, that turned into Twitch, actually. Okay, so yeah, Justin TV. Uh, live stream was just coming out. Mm-hmm. I started working with those guys. And uh, we had a rig, a system to create live entertainment with... with um, lower thirds flying in yeah. and stuff like that and we did and and we got a studio an old cnn studio down on wall street and we started creating content uh we did uh 16 hours of live content a day wow five days a week online we had al sharpton on our network curtis Sleewell. so i took radio guys mm-hmm. because they were saying at that time which is still true true now now it's a little longer people watch online but they said the attention span was three to four minutes. Yeah. So I got radio guys to talk because, you know, they ha- they tell stories in three to four minutes. So yeah. then I can break it up and, and put those stories. Up. You know, YouTube was just coming out on that time. So it was it was a learning thing. I knew nothing about the Internet. I have a question. Um, kind of, I guess, we'll sidetrack a little bit. But how did you, I guess, know that the Internet was going to be a big thing in 2004? Internet video like that like especially like how did you find your like because you seem like you had the finger on the pulse of knowing like it's so how i knew that was when william morris was sending me out to all the uh networks Mm -hmm. they kept asking me 
do you have anything for phones? Do you have anything for phones? So they knew they were going to start uh, oh. generating. And because I was a young guy, they really didn't want to put me into the position of doing reality TV. They wanted to see how creative I can get with, with phones and oh. producing content for phones. Interesting. That's like totally before, like, I think smartphones hit it big, too. Cause like- it was the first Apple phone was out at that time. Was it? In 2004? It was like 2005, yeah, okay, 2005, yeah. 2006. Yeah, around there, I think that's when I actually, yeah. Well, 2005 is when it, like, started talking about it, because okay. the Apple phone was coming out. I guess, I don't know, it was just, it was it was really me going to the networks, and the mm-hmm. networks saying, what do you got for phones? What do you got for phones? Interesting. So I was like, oh, let's so they, do the phone thing. So they knew. Let's do the, uh, oh, they, they knew, they knew, yeah, yeah. they knew then. That's, that's, YouTube was the was the thing. Once, once, some, once a company found out how to stream, and... And could afford it, then everybody's like, "Whoa, shit! People are gonna start doing this," yeah. and it, they knew it, especially with the iPhone, the first iPhone coming out. Insane! Um, it's crazy. I had the first iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just watched a video about the first iPhone, like the difference between like now and before, and the, it, that's that's another story. For I know, but time. it was sick. Yeah, um, wow, the first the first real like smartphone that everybody thought was cool was this thing called the Sidekick. Oh yeah, T-Mobile had that. Yeah. I always, I always want one as a child because I was like, oh man, it's easy to text on this. Thing. Yeah, you could, you could have did AOL instant messaging yep. and stuff like that. So mobile webbing and all that stuff. And it then... had a keyboard. It flipped yeah. up. It was, it was pretty. It was cool. Everybody had the sidekick. Yeah, actually, but no one wanted T-Mobile service because T-Mobile sucked at the time and now it's well, better. Well, uh, my fishing show got turned down by um, who's the guy? He had, a, he had a sidekick. Uh, the guy from uh, Shark Tank, Damon John. No, the uh, the the guy who owns the basketball team. Oh, oh, uh, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Yeah. So, when we were going to sell my fishing show, we sent it. He owned a company called HD Net, and uh, he had he was it was like the first eight true HD channel. Mm-hmm. It had all it was crappy content, but it was true HD. And uh, my lawyer's like, we got a phone call with Mark Cuban. I'm like, oh, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. And his email, when he showed me the email, it had Sidekick on it because it had the end of the thing. And he called me up and told me my fishing show sucked. That's what he called. That's what he he took the phone call and said, "Yeah, guys, your fishing show sucks. I think it's it's a horrible show." And uh, I'm like, that, "Oh God." There, that's no. There's no reason to call someone to tell right? them that. Like I, that. I, it was it was the oddest thing. I was like so excited. I'm talking to Mark Cuban, and he he gets on the phone and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." The show sucks. We don't want it. Is that before? What did he own the Mavericks? Is that before he owned the Mavericks? Or I don't know. It was oh, like okay. 2005. You're like, I'm a big Steve Nash fan. Now I'm not anymore. Thanks. <laughs> I really didn't even know who he was. I just, my oh, okay. lawyer told me he's some big shot and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Interesting. And <laughs> yeah. He called me to tell me my show sucked. Oh. Hey, guess who got it picked up? Right, right. I got it picked up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so you're at Wall Street. And then how, how how's that? how did that go? It was going really good. I mean, it could have went better. I had a really big cocky head, mm-hmm. and that was my problem. I thought every network wanted to see me. I'm signed to William Morris. I'm doing great. So I think I should start my own network without even knowing. I was a PA two years before that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was mopping bathrooms. And you just think that you you got it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be this. And I didn't bother to learn about the Internet and what it should, what it was going to do. And the problem was the guy who was funding me was a short seller. Mm-hmm. 
And once the market crashed, he left. And it was it was a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment every month yeah. to keep this business going. I thought I could do it. I had a, such a big head that I was like, "Man, I could do this myself." Yeah. So I lost all my money and went into two hundred and fifty thousand dollar debt or something like that. Oh shit! Yeah, it sucked. So, I mean, not to get spiritual, but I found God through it. I found my Stop being an asshole through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found a, a career in sizzle reels because since I sold shows before, then people started asking me, hey, I have an idea. Could you do that? I was like, yeah, give me this much money. I'll, I'll, I'll build it for you. And I'd build a sizzle reel. I'd build a Bible. And I had all the connections with William Morris so I can actually go and get these guys meetings and try to sell their show. Yeah. So... Next thing I know, I was the sizzle reel guy. I just was building sizzle reels and making... I had to pay back all that debt. So yeah. $250,000, $280,000, whatever it was, is really like 450000 between all interest yeah, and yeah. losing money, taking money from the street, like paying people back, however you have to do. And late fees and all that other stuff. It's just, you know, that was a hard, hard road to get out of. Were you working with a company or were you doing it yourself, like through your own business? Or was it like, how, like the sizzle? No, I just, I I just started doing it myself. Okay. I mean, I worked with uh, Weinstein Group. Mm -hmm. They hired me to do sizzle reels for them. Uh, This guy, Michael Tadros, he, uh, he's a big movie guy. They were doing movies. So yeah, I would, I would be contracted by companies to do it. Uh, but I was always 1099. It was always my own company. Mm-hmm. It was Rock Soup, and I, you know, just did it that way. And then after the sizzle reels, what, what was next? Um. Well, I, I, um, sizzle reels were, were was was really making me a lot of money. Yeah. You still uh, do sizzle reels, by the way? I don't, I don't know. I ever asked you that actually. I do, but I'm more now, and I guess we can get into this later, but more into the internet mm-hmm. and uh, producing content for the internet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I still do scissorals. I mean, that's what I, that's what I get paid big money for. Yeah. Um, there, there was a lot of things I was doing. I, 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 then I started working for this. Uh, I did a scissorill on uh, linemen, power linemen. Uh, this is when the Katrina hit. Oh, okay. And uh, they wanted to show like what you know power lime is like the fifth dangerous job in the world uh people dying all the time on it so this one guy who owned a company and was very blessed by um all these storms which is you know a horrible thing to say that he was blessed by it, but he was he made millions of dollars between sandy katrina and there was some other one in in uh, dallas that uh brought this guy to he sold his company for 42 million he made 42 million dollars off his company so he's sitting on $42 million. So he, 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 he wanted a sizzle reel. It was through the Weinstein Group. And uh, I started hanging out with him. And then he was like, oh, let's do a movie. So we did like a John Travolta movie. And Weinstein people got involved. And uh, they robbed him. You know, they robbed $12 million. They They shot in Canada where they shouldn't. You know, and I got yeah. fired because I was telling the guy, hey, dude, these guys are robbing you. And then I never got to work with Weinstein Group again or or any of these people. But Well, that's a good I thing, I think, because look at Weinstein Group now. Yeah, tr- tr- true. But, uh, yeah, uh, um, so I started working for him. We, I, I, got my, I, did, I was doing my first movie until I got kicked off of it. Uh, 
and then then I took a total different thing. I went to Nashville and started doing uh, social media for a record label because I wanted to learn about social media. What was that like? Nashville? Or? Yeah, well, both, I guess. Social well, media Nashville, Nashville is just one of the best places that I've ever lived in. I lived there for two years. It was fun. It was cool. It was, it was just starting to get big then. Uh, they didn't have a beach, which I like the beach. Mm-hmm. And the lake, when you drive up to the lake, they said, uh, the sign said, uh, 130 people died in this lake this year. Oh, that's nice to know. And it was like only like May. And I'm like, geez, I'm not going in that lake. (laughs) (laughs) But people get drunk, and I guess, and it's kind of like Lake Mead over there. Um, So, yeah, Nashville was cool. It it was a small town. Um, It was still run by the good old boys. So you had to really get into there. And uh, it was a bad situation for the person I was working with. I didn't really like the person. So, uh, but I, I, I got the band from a thousand followers to 250,000 in wow. less than seven months. That's pretty awesome. So I was kind of like, all right, I kind of like this social media game, telling stories online and, uh, using that. And, um, uh, you know, that's when I came to Vegas mm-hmm. and met you and started working with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yes. Oh, we, well, how long did we work together? Like six months, seven months, maybe. Yeah, we had a big uh, six month span. Yeah, but it was it was a it was a good learning experience because we you know the company that we worked for was doing e learning, and I always wanted to do e learning from the show I did with CNBC. Uh, I well, worked, what about the, you didn't mention that show by the way? Oh, CNBC was a show. I, actually, I was working on it was called it, it was started off as Staten Island. Housewife, uh, Staten Island husbands, uh, husbands of Staten Island, and it was when the real, real housewives of New Jersey were like, I saw that, and it was all about these girls starting businesses, and um, their husbands have to deal with this. Yeah. And I was working for a lot of rich guys at the moment, and their wives were just. They were the ones controlling me because it was like their little pet projects. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the film, cool thing. They just wanted to and shut their wives up. You know? But basically, that's what it is. And I thought the whole dynamic of a, of a wife and a husband working together is pretty funny. It really right. is. I mean, I, w- I watched some pretty interesting. I don't, I don't recommend anybody working with their wife or their husband because it's just friction. Really? Yeah, and the husband, most of the husbands that I did it with, would, it was cheaper for them to get their wife out of the house that way and then get a divorce. You know wow. what I mean? Like, just buy this company for two, three million dollars <laughs> so they didn't have to lose 20, 30 million dollars. How many businesses, how many businesses do those wives have? Like, like Jesus. Just yeah. buying like a business here, a business there? For well, them? just one, they would oh, just, just do one, one business. Okay, I was like, they would spend so much money. But even if it was a million dollars, it was worth it for these guys to yeah. just get them out of their hair, you know? Was just the business like, at least profitable for the one? Never. They were never profitable. I <laughs> 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 well, Listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of women in the workforce, yeah. but when something's just given to you and you really never worked for it, I'm just not a big fan of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you really don't know what you're doing. There's no passion behind it. There's no. There might be passion about wanting to do yeah. it, but when it comes down to really working, are you really dedicated to work? Yeah, because it seems like how you're telling me is like they just off a whim. It wasn't like anything really built it up themselves. Too. It never is. They, yeah. they get a guy like me to to help them, and mm-hmm. they wanted to get all the credit. They want to get all the glory, and it's not like you know. It's like when we first started making films back yeah. in the day. 
who wants this credit, who wants that credit, who wants this, and let's just get the job done. Yeah. Forget about the credits, because half of the movies that we were fighting for credits never even saw the light of day. It's true, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're sitting there fighting about a credit, and it's like, dude, it doesn't matter. It's all about your knowledge and your skill. Just learn how to do shit. Yeah. Your movie's not going to fucking make it. It's just the odds. Yeah. Like, you know, they say what the uh Ben Affleck and and what's the other guy's Matt name? Matt Damon. Those guys were in the business for so long before they made it, you know, yeah. from doing this movie. Well, I found out the reason of how um Goodwill Hunting got pitched too cuz like uh Ben Affleck was friends with Kevin Smith at the time. Cause mm-hmm. this is when um I just found out because um I was watching Kevin Smith's uh handprint ceremony for the Hollywood thing and Ben Affleck was doing the introduction for them and he was saying he gave Kevin the the script for Goodwill Hunting and basically Kevin's on the shitter and reading the whole thing and he called Ben he goes I have to give this to Weinstein or because it was so good I just sat, I just sat on the toilet the whole time and read the whole thing yeah. and that's how they got basically yeah but they were already in the business they were in the business but they weren't right. going really anywhere yeah no I mean yeah. I'm not saying like, it doesn't launch you but the yeah. thing is is there's very rarely yeah, yeah there's very rare stuff that you just make a movie and it's going to just make money, 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 yeah. money. I mean, I've I've gone to Sundance at the, you know, a very young time. I've been in this game for a long time. And uh, the only movie that I saw and I got a chance to invest in it and I didn't. And I actually had the money. $100,000 to do a finishing fund for Cabin Fever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was the rights to all of their movies. And we didn't do it. You you could have gotten made that residual money from all those sequels that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I could have made for just the first one I, alone. I think there's like four sequels too to that mm-hmm. as well. Or something like that. Yeah. We, we, uh, my group's still friends with Eli Roth. and uh, So it, it, it's cool. It's cool. I've got a lot of mentors. I know a lot about making movies. Mm-hmm. I never made one before. Well, I made movies before, but I never made a successful movie. Mm-hmm. But I know I know the game, and it's a uh, it's a hard game. Yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it really is not worth to get into the movie game. Interesting, um, especially like you know I think we had a conversation a long time ago, and people don't know this because we're on, we're talking about, we'll talk about it now. But like when you made your first film, you were talking about how like you forget things because you're like oh I need the sound or oh I need to get like this thing mm-hmm. too because I'm I forgot it and you're forgetting things that you need and that's so important that people need to sit down I guess like you know think about everything like yeah i mean i honestly my first movie we we shot really nice mm-hmm. and when we went to go screening in the theater it was like hd it was like yeah. the first cameras that were out the panasonics with the hd and it was it, i got a really good dp and we shot it really nice and when i heard it in the theater and the crackling of the sound and sound missing and it just didn't give that emotion mm-hmm. you know and when everybody came up to me, it was like, it was missing something. So some people didn't even know the sound was off. But I knew. And then I started watching student films and, and regular films. And then I realized it's more about the sound than it is anything. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the little noises in the street. The, to get the feeling. And, and set design is, is, is even bigger. Like you need to, when you're really telling a story, it's not about the words that are on the paper. And it's not about the actors. Well, it is, but... There's so much more that goes into building a really good movie. 
Agreed. that people don't understand. Yeah, it, I, I've noticed that a lot more lately in my older life that I've noticed more about the sound design and like I really focus on that when I listen to the movie now in the theater, especially mm-hmm. like um, when I saw Midsummer or The Joker. I really like like those sound design elements really helped me enjoy the movie more. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't realize it either until I started realizing what's the difference between a million, a couple of million dollar movie to uh, under a hundred, and people just don't think about sound. And even that, like when I edit stuff too, I because I, I don't do the sound till later, and like just listening to it without that sound design or sound, you know, those extra little things of sound in the timeline, it's like it feels empty, mm-hmm. and you're like, what am I missing? What am I missing? And that's the whole thing, and yeah. especially if you're thinking that and you shot the thing. Yeah. Could you imagine what the viewer and the audience oh. is thinking? He's oh. they're, they're sitting there and going, "Why doesn't this feel as real as it should be?" Yeah, and I get that note all the time from the one director. He's like, "Hey, why is the sound lower? What? Where is it? At? Like, it feels empty." I'm like, "I still need to work on the sound. You got to give me a picture lock right. first before I like yeah, go yeah. to the next step, dude. Like, calm down." And it's crazy how many movies and you don't realize it is being driven by music. Yeah, like every you don't even realize that there was a music soundtrack through pretty much the whole movie. Yeah, and you're sitting there like. I didn't even know music was playing at that even place. Silent films, perfect example. Is like there's no sound, but it's just right. music. It's just music. Or like, yeah. yeah. Like so. even in the in in the, in the uh, action movies, it's yeah. all music and sound. And without those sounds, if you watch a now, they do say in film school to turn off the sound and see if you can watch film the story that way because that's more visuals mm-hmm. and people's brain needs to. There's so many elements to a movie that's just not the shot and yeah. the actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what's on the script. There's so many more ways to tell the story, story and move the audience that I think as a filmmaker, that's what you really need to craft and master mm-hmm. to make a really good film, you know? Yeah, I agree. Because there's totally great agree. scripts out there. and But also shot shittily, too. Yeah, shittily. That's a good word, John. <laughs> Thank you. I just made it up myself. John, I just want to admire your uh, Christmas tree. Is that there all year round? It's been there since uh, last Christmas. Last Christmas? Yeah. So you don't even have to... Who, who, it's an everyday tree. <laughs> Every day. It's Christmas every day. It's Christmas every day. We have the New Year's. We got a happy birthday. You know, it's a whole uh, slew it's a, of things. It's a celebration tree. It is. We we don't uh, hate any celebrations. Yeah. <laughs> you need, I need to get you a Hanukkah thing. Oh, my roommate is Jewish. Oh, and, he, and there's no Hanukkah thing? He acts like he's Italian. Oh. He says he's from Most Naples. Most people do. But he's from Naples, Florida. Don't you, don't you love that? Coming from New York and everybody thinks they're from New York acting Italian. Oh, and, and the greatest is when people do the New York accent that aren't from New York. Yeah. And they try to pull that off, and yeah. it's like you just look at them like blankly, and you're like, "Yeah, people don't really talk about it like that." Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Forget about it, uh, huh? How you doing? You watch a little too many mafia movies, like, right? <laughs> you watch The Godfather a little too much. Like, yeah. No, we, we, they say forget about it. And how you doing? I, I remember going home, and my father was like, "Hey, Dad, what's going on? How you doing, huh?" Yeah. yeah that's a, that's classic. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? How you feeling, huh? Forget about it. Forget about And then, okay, so you came to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off a tangent there. Um, so you came to Vegas. Mm-hmm. We got we worked together for a company, mm-hmm. which was a wonderful year for me and wonderful yeah. few months for you. But we learned a lot, though. I think. I think so. I think yeah. it was a very good experience. I think working. You know, the problem when you start private contracting and doing things like sizzle reels and mm-hmm. internet the people that hire you that have the money are narcissists yeah not saying that the guy we worked for was a narcissist no, you can I'm say just, it it's <laughs> fine I don't care but 
most of the guys that I are signing contract with, the reason why they want me around them is because they're fucking narcissists. Yeah. And they want, you know, and they, the first thing to learn about a narcissist is they're saying, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for this person. I want to get you a job. I want to, they, they, they think they supply everything. And then they want to just critique everything yes. you do. They think they know better than you. So a lot of people, and I just take checks now. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> Because a lot of people go like, oh, yeah, you're going to get me this, you're going to get me this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll put you in the position to do it. Yeah. I'll put you in the be- best position possible. But, you know, most sizzle reels just don't get picked up. You know how hard it is to get a TV show? Oh, super hard. Super hard. Super duper hard. So, uh, and I've sold TV shows before. So why wouldn't you listen to me instead of just think you know better than I do? Because I know the trend, duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, most of them, they see themselves on camera and they, what you portray them as. And they're like, I'm not portraying you, dude. This is you. Yeah. This is who you are. It's, you're just seeing it and you're like, oh, shit. I'm an I, asshole. I think everyone thinks they're, like, you know, Johnny Knoxville or Bam Margera or, like, in that, I'm thinking that way, like, mm-hmm. Jackass crew or, like, those guys yeah. have big personalities. And then you have, like, these guys who are like, I'm cool, but you just come off with a total... Oh yeah, dude. yeah. I said that. I said that. I don't even go to weddings or anything anymore because people pitch me their shows all the time. Damn it! I was planning on pitching my show at my wedding. <laughs> yeah, they they pitch shows and they're like, "My life is so interesting." I'm like, "Dude, your life is not interesting." I was actually gonna pitch you my show right now about my life. Damn it! <laughs> and I will shut up. <laughs> yeah, don't pitch me a show about your life. Well, it's a great it's a great idea. I have a really great life. I'm like Larry David. I like right, the, right. I think all my things happen like curb your enthusiasm. I think it's gonna really sell. Well, I, listen, I don't I, honestly I don't mind helping anybody get their show off yeah. their thing, but most people want me to do all the work, mm-hmm. and then they say I will give you fifty percent of the show. I'm like, okay, how about I'm gonna give you six percent of the show, and you're gonna pay for everything, and that's how it's gonna work. Bottom line, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like you. I don't think people realize all the money and all the pain and all the hard work that I did to get to this point. Yeah. And even to this point, I still got to put in extremely hard work. Yeah. And extremely keeping up with contacts. You know, m- spending money to go to L.A., New yeah. York, uh, here, and 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 you know, just just. Just keep getting those contacts. Networking. That's really all it is. And keeping up and finding the latest trends and finding what the networks want. That's you know, how much value information that is. And people are just like, oh, I'll give you 50% of my show. You should get 51%. And they, they, then they want me to pay for it. Yeah, you should totally ask for 51%. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But they, I don't know. I'm like, how about this? There's a stock app. You pay for it. And if... If we make money off of it, we split it 50-50. If you lose the money, sorry, you yeah. pay for it. That's really what they want me to do is pay for this. And that's like a movie, too. Yeah. Because movies lose money every day. Sorry to interrupt you. No, but the, I mean, those guys invest in movies. There's, a, there's, a, there's tax credits. There's a whole bunch of things that go into invest in movies that you have to know if you're going to be an investor in a movie. That, movies is tough. Movies is just tough. So then after... Our wonderful gig together. We separated. We parted we ways. Well, I mean, to talk about that gig, what, what, what I really took out of that is all these in, all these uh, motivational speakers yeah. are funneling. They're using storytelling 
and lying about it with the Rolls Royces and the Ferraris oh, yeah, and, and all that other stuff. Until they it fake it until they make it. But with with online, you know, uh, social media, you can do that now. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I learned to get into and funneling stories to monetize to make money off of. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm starting a network where I'm creating influences, taking influences, developing in them, and then if I can get thirty influences and get them to a million each, which is not that hard these days, you just need money. Yeah. And uh, you uh, now you have thirty million people you're speaking to. That's how networks were, were created. You know, taking this guy, having their fans do this. I mean, you're not going to get a full thirty if you're working off each other but you're getting you know, I mean you saw how much he made off of 150,000 followers yep it was pretty impressive uh, for $299 I think um, well it was 2000 and he did a sale for yeah. 299 or 399 yeah. yeah something like that around like two to three made 450,000 in one month and then he uh, had a shitty product yeah I mean that's not, let's be we honest don't, we don't need to talk about that but it's fine but <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. He's not gonna listen. To but this. what we did, what, what we did was learn. Um, we learned that this is the this is the new reality TV yeah. is influences. Yeah. And if you can, you know, listen. I'm not talking to anybody to get out of the movies. If that's your passion, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But content for the internet is really where it's it is at. And if you can provide that, I mean, you can make. Tons of money. Well, what about using influencers to help you know sell a movie? Would that be help? Would that be a good idea for people that want to make movies? In that regard, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, influencers are influencers. Yeah. That's what they do. They they you know, and if you if you can get to the right influencers, say talk about this movie and people want to go see it, but you still got to get into the theater. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to make money off of the movie? Well, that's true. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard nowadays because everyone. No one goes to movies. That's true. I mean, there's a lot of BOD services too, as well, or you can pop it up on Amazon. Yeah, but you're just selling those contracts. Yeah, that's I mean, true it is too. good that people are viewing it and 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 stuff, but but it's hard to find too. I feel like because like you can't find. I mean, I feel like in general, if you if you watch, let's say, Die Hard, right? And mm-hmm. I made an action film to get to my action film that you don't really know about. Mm-hmm. It's like probably you have to go through what customers watched, and then you have to find like all the things customers watched, and go. Well, I want to check out this movie. And then you go to that movie. It's like a whole like family tree to get to where I want, where you want to see me. Or they have to pay also to probably get your you know rank up on mm-hmm. Amazon or Apple, whatever it is, for trending services. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it's good if you sign a contract with Amazon and you know a million people, well, more actually, you know, twenty, yeah. thirty million people watch your stream your thing. It's 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 good. So you you do have to know that. I'm just saying the movie game is hard. Oh yeah, no, I and I agree with you. You know, it's <laughs> like as a filmmaker, you, you obviously your first goal is like I want to do movies. But you should just become the best content creator out there that can sell yeah. content, whether it's commercials, whether you know that's that's the one thing. You know, I I wanted to be in the movies, but I mean, yes, I made a movie, two movies, but that doesn't mean I made money. So I really can't say I'm a movie producer. Yeah. Until you make a paycheck. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, you have so many people saying they're producers and they never ever got paid to be a producer. They produced all these side projects. Yes. 
I never wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be a producer that actually got paid to be a producer. And, and you've done that. Yeah, and have credits and, and all that other stuff. Um, and then about the influencers, are you going for specific influencers, by the way? Like, are you a niche? Is there, like, I, don't, I mean, I don't really follow influencers a lot, so, I mean... In general, mm-hmm. it's like, do influencers, a broad stroke of influencers, are you looking for like the 30? Or is it like, um, you know, I want to find specific influencers in teaching or specific influencers in... Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for inf- inf- um, influencers that I can monetize and make money off of. So if I think they have a good thing that we could sell e-learning off of or sell product off of. Those are the people I want to... I want to touch. Or the people that they're speaking to. You know, if they're speaking to a, a audience that will help me get somebody's movie out or some some you know things that's really what you want you want to you want to create a distribution channel yeah and you want to make m- money off of it how's that going like how how's the process for that going it's hard i mean it, it's it, i i started about 7 months ago um and the problem is the guys who have the, the companies that i'm speaking to um they're in their 50s to 60s and they don't know about social media. They're dudes that have just been working their whole lives. They know about social media, but they never really participated in social media. Mm-hmm. So they don't understand that it takes a long time for this to start growing. Because that's what I'm doing. Is I'm going to companies now and having them fund me instead of go raise funding for it. So yeah. I have an exotic car company that I'm working for. And I'm using their social media platform to talk about the like create a reality show with their staff and then people are used to these guys and they come in and they feel like they know them already so it's just comfortable for the sale and yeah. it just it just works to drive traffic but that's how i have to fund this this thing is start with actually advertisers already mm-hmm. create their content and then use that money now to create influences and develop and work with them so is it like going it's kind of like i feel like it's kind of like going back to an ad agency in that sense then so you're kind of it is an ad agency but but the key the specialty with me is i can create content so yes i mean you do have to do strategic monetization on on what the stories are Mm -hmm. but you're really just telling stories without the people knowing that they're being sold on something and that's mostly reality tv that's what we do yeah you know, we're selling you on product, we're product placing and doing things without you knowing that it's in there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. I'm trying to think of a reality show that I saw that has product placement in it that I didn't notice. You'll well, never notice, bro. Actually, I did notice in Jersey Shore they did re- mention uh, Burger King and they had Burger King one day, so no. that's the only one I saw that was like really blatant for mm-hmm. them, like... Yeah, the drinks that they drank, the yeah. protein drinks, they're all so, they're oh, all yeah. product placement. That's why you don't see the um, fuzziness over it, probably. If you see fuzziness, that means the person didn't pay for it. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so, you're doing that. Is there anything else you're doing also? Right now, no. I'm, I'm really just focusing on this, trying to get this influence and stuff. Yes, I mean, there are people still asking me. To do reality TV, I'm working on a, a old baseball player's movie, Daryl Strawberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. That's faith based. I'm actually I'm going with him. We're doing a Ed Millett podcast. Oh, oh! So I'm gonna go with oh, Ed, Ed Millett's house. That's really cool that you're doing that. I'm going to see Ed Millett in May. I'll take a picture for me next week, May. Um, yeah, we're gonna go to his house. Yeah, and we're gonna do a uh, podcast. Is Max out? 
right? It's Max Out Podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. With Daryl Strawberry. Are you going to be on the uh, video also? I feel like you... I don't think so. Oh, okay. I'm actually just... So, yeah, I'm actually just uh, uh, crashing the, the whole thing. How, how'd you get... How'd you get... Uh, how did Daryl get... Did you hook that up with Daryl, or did you... No, actually, I was... Uh, when I when we were working together, Ed Millett, I, I reached out to Ed Millett, mm-hmm. and he emailed me back, and nothing ever happened from yeah, it. Yeah. So I just believed Ed Millett would be a good person to talk to Daryl about maybe financing this movie or, yeah. or promoting it through his podcast once it's out. So I, I thought they should meet. So the manager, I, the ma- his manager, Daryl um, Shorey's manager, was like, oh, that's a good idea. So he started following Ed Millett. And uh, he ordered a book online and never got the book. So he called the lady and said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, John Lupo. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, and she, she got back to him and was like, oh, I'm sorry about the book, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, oh, I managed Daryl Strawberry. I was wondering if he would want to get on, do a podcast with, with Ed. And she was like, she didn't answer for three days. And then she got back and she was like, uh, Ed would love to have Daryl on the podcast. So I was like, John, I'm coming to that meeting. I'm yeah, going there. That's awesome. So another John that's not you. but <laughs> No, a lot of Johns. Yeah, I'm from I'm Italian, so right. a lot of Johns, Pauls, Michaels, <laughs> Vinnies, Tony Gumbas. No uh, other names that you know? I know names, but those are the most names I know. The most Italian, most Italian names? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, 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 I'm just trying to do this influencer. Uh, I mean... There's a couple of reality shows I might be working on, but I don't know. I'm not into reality TV anymore. But the influencers are kind of like the reality TV. It's a new reality TV, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to die. You don't think so? No, it's the same thing with reality TV. Reality TV wasn't supposed to be created. Reality TV was created, you know, they had Cops, which was a reality show, and they had the real world at the time. Uh, But it really wasn't a big thing until the strike came, and... um, Mark Burnett was nobody, and he was shopping this thing called Survivor around. And it was doing okay numbers in Europe. Mm-hmm. And when the strike happened here, the actors' writer strike happened here, the uh, networks were like, is there any shows without actors? And they said this thing called Survivor. So they brought Survivor over, and Survivor blew up. And that's how reality TV really got because yeah. of that strike. And... Uh, and then there was another one four years later, so it just increased reality TV because now they're like, screw this, let's go after all reality TV. And now reality TV is the biggest thing. I mean... Well, do you think there was like a bubble at reality TV or it was like, do you think there will be a bubble if there isn't one, there hasn't been one yet? Because I feel like after, like, I feel like there was a huge, like, you know, intake, um, increase in reality shows, but then lately, you know, it hasn't been as many as... I feel like promote it in that regard because like there's like they say there's a golden age of TV now too with like HBO's you know Game of Thrones when that was out and other mm. shows as well like they're just so expensive those shows and networks do put them out but at the same time like a reality TV you know show is like four million dollars mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. the difference between four million dollars for a whole season to you know ten million for an episode you know it's like some of these things like Games of Thrones I, excuse me how much how much does that really cost an episode a shit ton of money a shit ton of money yeah and some of these things get cancelled 
They had what Da Vinci. That was that had to be a lot of money. It got canceled after two seasons. It was I really good. That was a show. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, really? I think it was on Showtime of HBO. But that's what I'm saying. There's there's all these shows. There's Marco, uh, there's a uh, um, Marco Polo or whatever. Oh yeah, that was on Netflix, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, there's this great one I I, I just seen called uh, Night's Fall. Have you watched that? No, I haven't oh, heard of that one. Oh, it's in the second season. I never heard it either. I watched this thing called The Kings that just came out on. On Netflix. Oh, uh, Timothy. The King. Yeah, The King. I just saw that with my girlfriend awesome. last Friday. Oh, that was a great movie. Phenomenal. That whole right? Britain, uh, we are England or whatever. It, it was, was cool because yeah. it was like so real. Like that's how they probably fought. It yeah. wasn't this guy ripping off his shirt and with all muscles and doing all these crazy yeah. stuff. These guys like were clanking armor together. Yeah. Two princes that should have been like trained like whatever. And they were rolling around the mud like like gasping for air. You know? yeah, it was that was a really good movie. It, was, it seemed more realistic, and but still had that cool king, yes, yeah. like factor to it. But uh, and then so then it popped up that you should watch Night Falls. Okay, and whew, the writing in Night Falls is you, you see Gladiator back in the day. Yeah, I, I saw Gladiator. It's kind of the same thing without all the sex and the the craziness. It's more about the scheming that goes on with. Uh, trying to save this grail between the uh, Roman Catholics and government. And it's it's really cool. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to check that out. But actually. like I said, it's it's so much stuff out there. Yeah. And it's like, how do you get your stuff out there? That Yeah, that, that's, that is the age-old question. You need right? distribution. I yeah. mean, that's what everybody follows for. So that's why I'm trying to create my own distribution channel. Have you, have you like, thought of using, like, sites like Vimeo? Or are you going to make your own from the ground up? Like yeah, but even Vimeo is is uh, so. So now I have, um, I have a, a, a company that I'm working for. It's a bunch of Chinese kids. Yeah, uh, they're actually from China, and they do all of Khloe Kardashian's, Dan Bazarian's. They do all of their um, social media, mm-hmm. but it's twenty five thousand a month to start. Wow. So it's expensive. Yeah, you know. So I'm not about to pay somebody twenty five thousand dollars a month because. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, they say all this stuff, and then they go, well, we do them, but you didn't have the good product, or you didn't have this, or you didn't have... So I'm going to teach myself how to do what they know. Mm-hmm. So I just found the guy on Instagram that he puts your story on the thing for $1,000, and you get 10,000 likes. I do get emails about that, too, which is mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I'm not... I feel like some of those are scams as well. Most of them are. Probably yeah. 99.9%. That's why you got you to gotta know who you're dealing with. Yeah. Because you know how it is, they send all these videos out of them living in a with a Ferrari and a you know nice house, and it's all bullshit. Yeah, I don't believe half those guys anymore. Yeah, used to, and then I just like go. That's the problem. We're working for them, and we're creating this lie. Yeah, to tell society the fake news of of influence. Yeah, that's why I love Donald Trump because it is all fake news. You work for the news, you understand how. Oh, I mean, I had a I had a wonderful discussion actually with a gentleman at five in the morning one day. Um, about news in general, and we discussed um, and we discussed how local news is actually more truer news in the sense. Yeah, but still, you got to create stories to. Well, yes, but at the same time, you're you're going to these places, and you're like, um, you know, we're just getting our facts from what we're we're actually getting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't really make up what they're telling us at the same time. Like, you know, you can embellish like CNN and all that stuff, and all that higher end right. national news, breaking news, breaking news. You really can't right. fake. If, mm-hmm. you, if you fake, fake, I don't know how you fake breaking news because that's like, it, you're getting the facts right there. And people are like, oh, you don't know any, how do you not know anything yet? You don't, you're not telling us the story. It's like, well, we didn't get anything yet from the police. Mm-hmm. We we're waiting right now. Like, you can't, like, 
it's not we're not like holding back information we're waiting right now for the police or the firemen to tell us what really happened because like you know there's different levels of police and all that stuff there's a PIO that tells us or a, a watch commander whatever it is depending on what the situation is and all that stuff or like a PIO of the fire to tell us like what really happened you know we can't get from a regular firefighter like hey what happened they, they won't tell you mm-hmm. so like it's like people that are like why are you holding back information it's like well the PIO only told us this and they still need to investigate so how do you know like how do you know what you know because we only know what they know and right. they told us so I mean we're not faking anything there you know, John, you're a fake. I am fake, probably in fake. fake news. I am. I am not real. <laughs> I am not here. I am. I am an abstract. Yeah. Brian, I appreciate you so much for coming out today. It's like awesome. I, I'm really happy that you came out. Um, social media wise, what is your social media? My social media that you want people to know you or follow you or whatever it is. Well, I'm starting to. I think. So my company's called Rock Soup. Mm-hmm. And the reason how I came up with the name Rock Soup was uh, it's an old fable called Stone Soup. Mm-hmm. And like we said in the beginning of the podcast, how everybody screwed me in the beginning, but I was trying to create a network of people where you come up with a great idea and everybody eats equally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no greed. There's no just let's get the job done because that's what everybody does is they, they do all these projects and who's fighting for this and who's everybody's cool in the beginning and all of a sudden oh man we're really doing this and oh i did more work than this person i did more work than this person no you didn't everybody got together and there's a reason everybody had a a job to do and if the project came out great everybody who touched that project had a had a thing to make this project great so everybody deserves everything um so rock stone soup is about a guy who walks into a town starts polishing off rocks, puts them in a pot. And this was when everybody was not talking and communicating in the 1800s. And so the guy comes into town, polishes his rocks, starts a fire. And then one guy, the toughest guy in the neighborhood comes up and is like, hey, what are you doing? And the guy goes, uh, oh, I'm making stone soup. It's the best soup in the world. What do you mean it's the best soup in the world? You never had stone soup? So there's the pitch, right? He's saying that I have the best idea in the world, and I can't believe you never heard of it. So he's, that's the sell. Mm-hmm. And then the guy goes, can I get some of that soup? Because now he, he sold them. Yeah. He goes, mm, if you bring me carrots, I'll get you the soup. Comes in. They start chopping it up. They talk. Another guy comes over. What are you guys doing? We're making stone soup. Now the other guys believe in the story, and he's like, yeah, we're making stone soup. It's awesome. It's great. You should have some. Can I get some? Yeah, come get me onions. And then so people start coming and giving their resources to the the idea because it's just an idea. Yeah. It was just a stone and water. Guy takes out the stones. Everybody eats equally. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's enjoying the product. Everybody's now we made the best soup in the world because everybody uses their resources. And that's how I call it rock soup. So... I'm thinking about calling the the uh, network Rock Soup because I think that's what it is. It's, I like it. It's basically everybody bringing their ideas and creations to one major idea, and that's how you make Rock Soup. I really like that, actually. I, I hope you stay with that. Yeah. Because if you don't, I'll be very upset with you. Yeah, so 
My company's called uh, my uh, website's rockstoop.tv. I'm building. Is it rock stoop or rock soup? Rock soup. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been talking for a long time. Uh, and then uh, my Instagram is rock soup. Uh, just rock soup. Rock TV. Oh no, it's Rock Soup TV. Okay, Rock Soup TV. Cool. Yeah. All right, so guys, you can check out Brian at Rock Soup TV again, and then you can also check me out at John underscore Demarco D I M A R C O underscore D P, and that's on Instagram. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. This is Chasing the Frame podcast. Again, have a great day, have a great month, have a great year, have a great week. Just enjoy yourself, and hopefully, you guys listen, subscribe, and have another. Have again, have a great day. Bye.